Welcome to Keeping Up With Life, where we empower you with health, business and family life strategies for you to live your best days. I'm your host, Pippa Hansen. I'm the CEO, a mother of teenagers and have a passion to live an active and healthy life. Each episode contains practical tips and insights on how you can succeed in all aspects of your life, delivered to you in bite-sized pieces to implement straight away. This episode is brought to you by the Sports Injury Clinic, whose mission is to enhance the lives of its clients, staff, other professionals, and the greater community. Today, we are really excited to have Joe Fuller as our guest on the podcast. By day, Joe is a change manager in the corporate world, but more recently, Joe has added author to her name, having recently released 20 Voices of 2020, stories from a year that changed the world. Welcome, Joe. Thanks for having me, Pippa. So, Joe, tell me about yourself prior to 2020. Who is Joe Fuller? So I am a mother of three. Um, I have three daughters, uh, two teenagers and one who is 10. I live in Frankston and uh, really proud to be part of the Mornington Peninsula broader community. Um, I would normally be going into the city working uh, in a corporate environment. So, you know, the typical buildings like <laughs> on South Bank, so big high rise and um, helping leadership teams and teams deal with change. Great. So what are some of the changes you would normally be helping organisations with? So typically they're big system changes. So somebody might be putting in a whole new new system. Um, they could be operating model changes where people are trying to um, increase their efficiencies in, in a business. So I'll go in to try and help them to work out what they need and how to navigate that through communication, um, engaging their teams and um, trying to be authentic with how to implement that change. And traditionally people don't really like change, do they? Because no. it's the unknown. And <laughs> There's, um, so uh, we do sometimes categorise people. <laughs> so um, we, we ha- there's definitely people who you can help to manage the change. Yeah. So um, part of my job is to teach those strategies around identifying people. Uh, we call them movables and yep. immovables <laughs> and trying to put things in place to help move, move people along. But at the end of the day, not everyone has to like the change, um, but it is actually about getting people to adopt the change. Yeah, and I suppose with the organisational uh, work that you do, as you said, it's about that communication and you're preparing people for what's coming. That's right, yeah. yeah. So I find that it's really about setting a clear expectation. So if people don't understand why we're changing or what it means for them, they're actually never going to get there. So that's sort of the first piece of it um, is really trying to get people to understand the the reason behind why we have to change. Um, And then over time, it's educating around what that means for them. So, um, and really as people go through a change, they go through a series of emotions, um, everything from, you know, denial to potentially being quite angry and frustrated and um, a lot of people will dip into depression if they don't understand it. Uh, but what we really want people to get through is the, to come through to acceptance. So that's really about understanding how do you navigate a change yourself yeah. and putting some of those personal strategies. Um, you know, we talk a lot about resilience 
these days, but it is about putting some of those strategies in place so that you can personally accept the, the change and you can you can move on. But again, you might not like it, <laughs> but it's you know it's about how do you actually um, have a new a new way of working yeah. in a corporate environment or as we've seen more recently in the way we work in and operate in society. Yeah, and look, we've always got the early adopters, haven't we? That'll you know happy to change, but there are a lot of people that are fear of what does it mean to them, how secure is their job, Correct. You know, do they have the skills for this new change. Yeah, so, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I think um, everybody everybody is different. Um, it's definitely, whilst there's a framework, it's definitely not one size fits all. So some people might take, you know, much longer to actually adopt the change, whereas someone might be really quick and on board and they understand what it means for them and they're okay with that. Um, I do find that there's a lot of people that are really quick to adapt um, and then they're the people that you really want to nurture to help other people um, to also adapt to the change as well. Yeah, what's really lovely though is I suppose the organisations that are bringing you in because you you work for multiple organisations to get the project done. Yeah. They obviously want that to be a good experience for their teams and to be a positive that's experience right. along the way so that's yeah exactly yeah. yeah so I've been um probably about the last 15 years so focusing on I've there's a few facets of change management and you know training um the, the overarching change management and also communication so I've played quite a few different roles but uh I actually um at the end of visual arts school or university I actually did did a, a post-grad degree in change management. So I think it's always been there. It's always been a passion of mine. Um, and I think I can, you know, really start to, uh, you know, blend the creative side as well as my passion for people. So I definitely have a passion for, you know, human behaviour and trying to work out what makes someone tick and, and really help people along. Yeah, and it is important because if people have got things going in in their life outside of work where work's normally their, you know, easy, safe place to be because they know what they're doing and they know how to do it and they've got other facets in their life that aren't necessarily in control and then all of a sudden you throw in, hang on, let's change, and now both parts of your life are turned upside down. (laughs) (laughs) It can be really hard for people, can't it? Really, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. and we're really, you know, going into into corporations. You have to be aware of that. You know, I guess that's the role of the leader. They need to be aware of all those circumstances outside of work because all of those things come to work. It's not like, you you know, you're a separate person. (laughs) When you come to work, it all comes with you. So you absolutely, um, they go hand in hand. But hopefully some of the strategies that they might learn, um, they can also implement at home as well. Fantastic. All right, so let's fast forward to 2020. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The year that most of us would like to skip, I think. (laughs) So what changed for you in 2020? Um, So personally, at the end of 2019, we were embarking on a really major renovation. Um, We've done about four four big renovations in our time and this was going to be the biggest. (laughs) (laughs) And did you move down here in 2019? No, we've actually been down here for 15 years. Yeah, Yeah. but um, we had thought about renovating our house for (laughs) probably about that entire time. So we... um, it was quite massive. We pretty much had it's an old 
Victorian home. Um, so it had the old lean-to kitchen area at the back. So we demolished all of that off um, in around January 2020, so before <laughs> we had no idea what was coming. Um, so we had no kitchen from that point. We set up a little faux kitchen in one of the, the bedrooms, a little camp stove, um, and then gradually, bit by bit, we would lose we would lose a room. So we, there's family of five, um, if you can picture, living in three rooms the whole way ended up being our kitchen. So we had the fridge, the microwave, we had the little camp stove. Um, and it was a bit like one of those alleyway cafes where yeah. we just had, <laughs> we had the little uh, stools. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, you know, we thought we can, we can do this for the next seven months. Yep. Um, so then come March, March yep. we started to hear, you know, a little bit around around this COVID thing. Um, well, probably a little bit earlier, actually, towards the end of January, we started to hear a bit, you know, and like most people, I was thinking, okay, that's something overseas that's not going to come on our on our shore. Um, We've always been very protected, haven't we, in our big island here? So protected, yeah. so protected. So um, that's, I think... It was around about uh, towards the start of start of March. I probably started to get a bit worried. Um, so I remember my husband and I, because we were city based, both of us work full time. Um, we were just talking about it. I was feeling really nervous about the unknown, and I said to him, "I'm. I think I'm just going to work from home." It was pretty flexible where I work, so I was working a couple of days from home anyway. Um, so I just thought, just while the dust settles, you know, this thing blows over. <laughs> <I'll> <laughs> a just, couple of weeks, yeah, will be right. a couple of weeks will be fine. Um, I'll just work from home, and my husband decided to do the same thing. So. We were probably one of the early ones to work, start working from home. Um, so, you know, we were lucky to get some of the things from office works that we needed yeah. because, this, <laughs> as everyone knows, the shelves were, yep. were shredded. Couldn't about, get a webcam, couldn't get all these other things, yes, about <laughs> printers. A, exactly, about a month later. Um, and then we also, at the school um, where the girls go to school, we had a potential case there. Um, there was a bit of um, heightened news around uh, people from Aspen that had come uh, to the Mornington Peninsula. So uh, just precautionary, uh, the school decided to to close earlier than everybody else as well. So um, oddly, we were just a couple of weeks ahead of where everybody yeah, else up. was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that was sort of, yeah, the start of, you know, the 2020 and starting to realise what was yeah. what was going on. Um, yeah. I think by uh, probably only three weeks later, um, it started to become very real, COVID, um, and the thought that this was actually going to change people's lives and just that sheer uncertainty, I think that was really prevalent in those first couple of months, so, you know, March, April. Mm. Um, I remember as a contractor, so, you know, contracted for 15 years, never been out of work in that yeah. whole time, um, but I, I had absolute fear that yeah. I was just, you know, going to be out the door and I had no idea for how long, you know, had no idea how long that would last. 
So, um, yeah, I've watched maybe 250 of my colleagues that I work with um, be told to go on leave for six weeks mm. <laughs> unpaid. Um, and I, yeah, I think that's when it hit me. I remember I was walking, we live just near Sweetwater Creek. Yep. And I was walking and I was, I just broke down. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just bawled. I just thought, oh my gosh, like, what is this? How long is this going to last? How is this going to affect us? How, how is this going to impact people around us? Um, and at that time, I also learned that a really close friend of ours also um, actually contracted COVID. So it was sort of this weird time of like, you know, knowing all of this was going on, thinking it wasn't going to hit here, suddenly within, you know, space of two to three weeks, it was on our shores, it was so real, there was people lining up, you know, at the centres for support and, it, yeah. It I was just, in our lives. Well it was in our lives, yeah. yeah, it was crazy, yeah. And it's interesting um, to hear you talk, as as you said, change manager for all these years, but that you felt nervous, the unknown, the fear, yet this is what you did. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> so, know. you know, you can only imagine yeah. how everyone else was feeling. Exactly. And I, I think most people can probably isolate the day where they went, okay. Yeah. And I know I'd sort of been in this, not fairy world, but this world of, okay, yeah, a bit like you, we'll be right, we'll get through it. And then one day in March went, I'm not in control. No. I actually cannot control this on my own. Yeah. Um, because it's not within our control. That's right. And addressing the team and saying exactly that and, it, yeah, really tough. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's it. I've always I've always felt in control. Yeah. And to feel out of control, um, you know, and just have things happen to you and you have no, you know, you can't get out of that. Mm. So, you know, textbook, I knew, yeah. <laughs> I knew what was happening. But when it's happening to you, yeah. um, you know, you can't always see that until until you come out and reflect later. Yeah, I'm sure your textbooks didn't uh, talk about <laughs> pandemic city. No. <laughs> <laughs> so you've written a book in 2020. So yes. talk to us about the book. How did it come about? So um, it was really, I think, going through the different you know, lockdown waves. So the, we had the first lockdown wave um, where we're all in this together as a nation, felt really connected, had all, um, you know, there was some fabulous concerts online. There's almost a weird sense of, you know, the kids were really happy. It's like, yeah, we don't need to go to school. So it's there was peaceful. Yeah, there was something, something very peaceful about that that time for me anyway. I know mm. not for everybody, um, but you know, the roads were quiet. We didn't have to rush around. And then, then when we were coming out of that, it was sort of like, oh, good, that's that's done and that's done now. Mm. You know, tick the box, <laughs> tick, move on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we can all move on with our lives. And then, um, you know, Victoria plunged into the second wave. So that was totally different experience, obviously, for Melburnians and the people of um, the Mornington Peninsula that were part of that 112 lockdown period. Um, at the time, it was the most longest and most gruelling in the world. Um, and, yeah, it was just really trying to... I guess the book came about because I wanted to capture that moment. So um, initially 
it was just going to be a little Kiki K office works yep. <laughs> photo book. <laughs> Every time there's something big in our family, we always do a photo book. Um, and this, I to go with the photographs that I'd taken throughout the year, um, I just wanted to capture my daughter's thoughts and experiences so that they could look back yeah, at this time. Yeah. So I had the same set of questions, so I'd come up with a set of questions which included describing 2020 in three words. Um, It also focused on, you know, strengths, what they remembered, what they learned and what they were sick of. So same set of questions for all three of them and there was one rule I had and that was that they couldn't talk to each other until I'd interviewed them all. Um, so typical kids, you know, what did she ask you? <laughs> what did they say? What did you say? Um, so anyway, the um, Esther and Ingrid, our eldest daughters, they were they were okay with it. They were pretty easy to, to get. I think I got their stories within two days. Um, but Lil was nine at the time and she was very dubious. What what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> Why did I need this? What did I need this information for? <laughs> Where was it going? <laughs> um, anyway, I finally waited for her story about five days later. I, I, you know, she was in the right mood and she started started rambling. So I captured her story. Um, but what really struck me was, um, which is really the catalyst for the book, was how different their responses were. I was actually taken aback that I couldn't couldn't understand, you know, really, again, you know, mm. textbook change yeah. furniture, but they were so different. So, you know, the same same household, all at the same school, um, you know, I would have thought that there would be more similar experiences between, between them and experiences. Um, similar feelings across their stories. Yeah. And you might expect a change with the nine-year-old to the older two. Yes. But the older two was quite different as really well. Really different, yeah. really different. So um, our eldest daughter, she really struggled in, she was in year nine, um, so she started a new school and she couldn't connect properly, you know, being online. Um, she also had uh, her first job and um, they weren't so kind <laughs> to her. Um, so she couldn't connect yeah. at work either. So um, it wasn't until, you know, that started to flip around and, you know, she got a different job that she actually, you know, realised a bit more around herself worth. Um, But yeah, it was really tough for her. So, you know, there's everything from sadness and um, frustration to our second daughter was more around sense of pride, um, really proud of herself that she got through it, proud that she learned how to study because she was a bit of a procrastinator (laughs) beforehand. Um, So was that no one else around to distract or chat to? Yeah, exactly. She just wanted to be off that screen. Um, And then, you know, then there was Lil, our youngest, who was just really annoyed that the hamburger shops were closed. (laughs) Yeah, I was really, um, really fascinated by their responses. So that led me then to ask my husband um, to participate and his was obviously totally different as well. Um, so had you written anything down about your experiences before you asked anyone else? No, okay, yeah. I actually did mine <laughs> at the end, which I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, <laughs> but I I, um, I found my story the hardest story. I yeah. think, you know, it's always hard to sort of, you know, write about yourself. Um, but, yeah, I, I was really about gathering different perspectives. So yeah. 
And going back to your daughter, the, particularly the year nine, we talked yeah. before we started that, you know, year nine down here is meant to be this real adventure year. It's not yes. really meant to be about the schooling. Is, uh, That's right. Maths and English and things. It's meant to be about discovery and going off on all these city experiences exactly. and country experiences. So poor year nine's really did yeah. have a tough year, didn't they? Yeah, a really tough year. And even now, you know, I think as we were talking about, you know, it's like, oh, we'll make up for it in yeah. year 10 and then here we are in another <laughs> lockdown. So, yes, yeah. it's definitely, you know, it's definitely been tough for, for those years. And I think um, in that second wave, my frustrations was really around that the year 8s, 9s and 10s were treated totally different. Yeah. So, you know, they didn't go back to school for another two to three weeks beyond everybody else. Yep. And it just signalled to me anyway, I felt, that it was um, yeah, they weren't as important as everybody else. I had two in those year yeah. levels as well and I think I agree they felt yeah. that they weren't important. That's right. A- and we didn't have control of that. No control. Yeah. Yeah, so you just, you know, it's really hard to keep the motivation up when you're just as frustrated yeah. as they are. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was, I think... Probably towards the end of that that lockdown, that's probably where, you know, I think it was the toughest because, you know, you could see that, that things were starting to open up, people were going back to school, but yet not everybody had that yeah. same experience. So, so yeah. what did you think when you read your husband's um, version? Of, <laughs> um, were you surprised? Were you, you know, did is that what you thought he was going through at the time? Yeah, I think... Um, He's a little bit of a closed book, my husband, so it was nice actually to get him to sort of think about, you know, putting his feelings on paper. Um, I think um, I wasn't so surprised per se. Um, he did have the opportunity to to review his story a number of times, so he probably had a bit of an advantage there. Couple of edits. <laughs> a couple of edits. Um, but we did we did actually he did touch on the sourdough craze um, of 2020. Uh, so I remember going for a walk with my girlfriend, and she's like, "I've got something for you." And I'm not a cook, so anyway, um, she she has this. This uh, jar of goo, and I'm like, okay, what is this? And she's like, it's sourdough starter, and I'm like, great, <laughs> I'll hand that to to my husband. Um, so yeah, he he touched on on that whole craze, but also um, just he's a real family man, so just how to connect, uh, you know, within the family and and um, how we had to do that that differently. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think after Mike I wanted to – there was starting to become a bit of a theme in the book around or in the responses around how that first lockdown we were all in it together and that second lockdown it was really divided um, and that in Victoria – you know, we started to really band you together. Uh, we had lots of community things like Spoonvilles and the rainbow yeah. walls and, you know, rocks and things like that. People would – trying to do things to to let people know that we're here for you. Um, but and, and be kind to people, wasn't it? There kind. was lots of that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Whereas in the other states, you know, it was a real separation and even from a federal level, you know, seeing, seeing oh, you know, Scott Morrison go to the football, that sort of thing. I think 
when you're going through such a devastating time, it was really hard. Well, um, Victoria became separated from the rest of Australia. So separated, yeah. um, you know, physically and also mentally mm. as well. So it was really interesting. So our eldest daughter touched on this. I certainly felt it and my husband touched on that as well. So yeah. I wanted to understand um, the perspective of someone in New South Wales. So I asked my mother-in-law and my best friend who live in New South Wales um, to for their thoughts yep. as well. <laughs> so at what point, so when you said at the start that this was going to be a family you know, yes, book. Yes, yes. So once you'd spoken to the kids and your husband, what, where was the line in the sand the line, where you said, right, this is going bigger than this? Yeah, so the line in the sand probably was after the New South Wales. Okay. Yeah, people. So, so tell me about them. What did they have to say? Um, so their perspective was really very similar that those who ordinarily live far away seemed so much further away during that time um, and a frustration that, again, no control, that you just can't see who you wanted to see or do what you wanted to do. Um, from, you know, what this what we were sort of seeing in the community about the shells being stripped and that sort of thing, that that's happened in New South Wales as well. Um, and then that's really settled down. So when we were going through our, our peak, um, that started to settle in New South Wales and they just got on with their day mm. to day. Yeah. So there was extra things in place, you know, cleaning, um, one of my my girlfriends, she works at the library, so there okay. was extra things in place there to um, make sure that you know there was protocols and home drop offs. But essentially, you know, no that was, masks. That was it for them. Like totally different. Mm. Um, so I think it and, just well, and then we went a bit through where we had the Ring of Steel, and, and Victoria became divided. Exactly. Yeah, I think if anything, it just validated how we were feeling. Yeah. Um, and then. After after that, I wanted to understand um, a couple more perspectives from co-workers. So it was probably at that point that I was like, okay, this is super interesting. <laughs> You're going to give me feedback and I'm going to turn you into a book. Yeah, pretty much. I, so I sort of went with this, you know, casual approach of I'm keen to get your story, want to hear your thoughts, and I'm not sure what I'm doing with this because yeah. I really wasn't sure at that point. Um, and then it was around... Around about that time, I started to think about the title. So I knew that I had 20 voices in total. Um, and then I wanted to make sure that the rest of the voices really mattered. Yeah. Not that, you know, the others didn't, no. but just in terms of giving a broader perspective. So I started to think about, um, you know, that the the whole thing was around trying to keep it local to me. Um, So people in my orbit, people that I interact with, because I felt that if I could do that, then someone else might be able to look or read the story and feel a connection because hopefully it might be local to them as well. So did it help you because you, because you did know them? So I know you've got in there, you know, a doctor and a yeah. your friend and your Pilates instructor, yes. but because you had that relationship, did that help to, I suppose, tie it all together? Yeah, I think um, it definitely helped, but I do think that the people, so everyone in the book, I either know or they're one step removed. So for the people that are one step removed, I think I probably 
collated their story um, more holistically quicker yep. because I didn't know all the ins and outs. Um, you so, knew too much about yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> Whereas if someone didn't mention something that I and I knew them, yeah. I could fill those blanks yeah. in. <laughs> you could um, add the edits yeah, in. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I think those interviews, they went definitely went longer. Yeah. Um, whereas the people I knew, I probably went back a couple of times in a more more casual casual way. Um but yeah, I did want to get the perspective in our street. I was amazed. We've got a you know a lady who had a baby, so she's in in the story. Um, I want to understand around the uncertainty. At one point, she didn't know whether her husband could be in the delivery yeah. room with her. She ended up having to change hospitals at the last minute because they could guarantee that he could be in there with her. Um, and um, yeah, just I just wanted to bring a a human side to what was going on because it was all about numbers, cases, you know, all, all very metric orientated. Um, and I just wanted to bring a perspective that was relatable and, um, and human. So as you were collecting these stories and obviously living 2020 yourself, did, do you feel that you used any of your change management skills or do you think that was all at the window because you had no, you know, there were no rules around this. There was no book that says this is what you do in a pandemic. Like, yeah. how do you think you managed? Um, I remember about two years ago, someone actually said, asked me that very question. Like, do I use the skills day to day at at home? And I, I sort of said, oh, no, not really. And then when I thought about it, I'm like, actually, I do use it all the time. I just don't do it consciously. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, 2020 was no different. So I did even, you know, at that start of 2020 when I I was really fearful of what it meant for the community and what it meant for us personally, um, I did know that that was, you know, a natural thing to go through. Um, So awareness. Awareness of it. But I think the biggest strategies, I, I did put deliberate strategies in place. So um, for our family, I think the biggest thing was around uh, just being upfront and setting the expectation. So even in the lockdown that we've just had, you know, announcement comes out that it's a week, I said to the girls, you'll be really, it'll be amazing if you go back to school before the term ends. Yeah. And they're like, what, mum? <laughs> what? <laughs> Please don't tell us that again, but yeah. But so, I'm like, well, yeah. that's the reality. You know, we know, we know what, this is now. Yeah. We know how long it takes to get to zero. We know what it means to get out of this. Um, so that's just the reality. So just it's setting... interesting. We did that here at work as well. Did you? So we had people yeah. coming asking me and saying, "What do you think?" And I said, "It will be after the long weekend." Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it's let's yeah. not man be around it. Let's yeah. plan that this is so. If you're particularly around looking after clients who a lot of through the lockdowns, you know, we had people that were more stressed sitting at work. Uh, or sitting at home, so poor desk setups, doing home renos, so falling off ladders. So we, yeah. we were still seeing injured yes. people and, and physically and mentally, um, you know, what the impact that was having on the body. But I said, you know, so think about their care that this isn't a week. That's right. This is three weeks. So yeah. how are you going to manage that over the time before we're fully open again? So, yes. Yeah. And I think that's 
that's really important. It's to set a realistic expectation. Yeah. And I think um, when I look at places that did really well, and I'll use the school as an example, you know, from the start it was a really clear expectation set mm. and that expectation might be we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're not sure, um, but, you know, we will communicate with you, you know, in two days' time. Yeah. Then at least you know you're going to get something in two days' yeah. time. Um, so I, I did that at home and also the around you know, what you can control and influence. So there's so much, you know, power taken away from you. So it's about, you know, recognising what power you have. Yeah. So just trying to bucket those things of what you can control, you know, you can control that you could still go outside and exercise. You can control what you eat. You can control to a degree how you think. Um, so trying to give some of that power back to, mm. to uh, you know, the people in, in our household to yeah. say it's, you know, you can actually influence some parts of this, but there's whole bits you can't. Yeah, we'll and control the controllables. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Um, was there a story that really stood out for you in the book? Was there one that you didn't see coming. You said that you've talked about how quite a few of them were similar. You yes. know, there were bits and pieces that crossed over, but was there any that really, you know, blew you away with you didn't expect those responses? Um, there were definitely a couple. So um, the doctor who lives up the road, so from from a street perspective, he was on our WhatsApp group, yeah. you know, <laughs> really handy to have a doctor at this time, <laughs> you know, keeping us informed of numbers and, you know, what to worry about and where it was and that sort of thing. But I didn't really know what was going on for him um, at work, which was a huge amount of innovation, connection across the world. Um, he was heavily involved in the personal protective equipment, designing new new equipment. Um, so for me, his was absolutely eye-opening and yeah. fascinating around what he went through um, and how he supported people and also how the community supported him. So, or not him, but the Frankston Hospital. Um, so Boeing, they actually supported them through hand sanitizer. So donated a whole, all these drums of alcohol. Um, yeah. So that was like phenomenal to, to hear what he had to say. Um, well, there were some industries that just went, you know, they weren't quiet. They were absolutely working more than they've ever worked before and, and that's probably one of them that you're talking about. That's right. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. And then the other um, one, you know, that I really had no idea about um, was the travel industry. So, mm. you know, hit so hard like the arts, um, still not recovered. No. Um, so that was an area where I deliberately sought out stories. So um, I spoke to a travel agent franchise owner um, and her story that probably got to me the most, I think, because you know, she was just trying to do the best she could um, and she had it all mapped out. You know, she was about to come to her 20-year anniversary at work. Um, she's got two kids and then suddenly everything changed for her and it was a really raw interview, um, you know, just very powerful, yeah. uh, you know, because it just it was, again, just that human side and that human impact on her 
But the thing that got her through was, you know, the school delivering hampers or, you know, the, the next door dropping something off, a, a lasagna. Yeah. Like it's, it was just those small things that got that got her through. Um, but she's had to change everything, you know. Yeah. She's um, shut up her franchise. She's working remotely now. So she's had to adapt. Um, and the other one was the, the pilot. So... Uh, his was fascinating. I had no idea around the internal processes, so I was really keen to understand that a little bit more. Um, and they get a stand-down email once a month just to remind them. That, that they're still stood down. That they're still stood down. Like how degrading. So have you spoken to him since? Will he fly again yeah what, so he's um so he couldn't make it to the book launch because oh. he was actually like <laughs> flying, flying oh, which is that's great fantastic. for him yeah. so yeah he's um you know just totally different but they had to I guess his story really reflected on how as a household you have to you know it's not just one person you're having to adapt across you know him and his wife had to totally flip what they were doing. She was a physio yep. and suddenly, you know, working in a call centre supporting um, the cases. Yep. So, yeah, really, really different experiences for them. Yeah, so the industries were so different as to what was affected and what wasn't, wasn't I know, it? absolutely. And I know I've said I've got, uh, like you, those sort of VCE-age children talking about what careers to go into and what you look. And at one point last year I said, look at what's open. Yeah. <laughs> You know, start there. Yeah, start exactly. with something that's yeah. stayed open during it and <laughs> yeah. wipe off everything else for now. Yeah, and I think that's a lot of it. You know, people had to really think, okay, this is what I have trained to be, this is what I'm good at, this is what I know. Mm. But, you know, that's it's, it's gone. Mm. And like recognizing that suddenly you do have to think of new skills, you know, new ways to, to to survive. Um, so I think, you know, fortunately for us, and I think, I, you know, I do reflect this in the book, I just felt lucky. Yeah. <laughs> felt so lucky last year, you know, lucky that we weren't truly impacted like some other people, um, you know, and for me there was so much hope in the stories, mm. even those that were the people that were really impacted. Um, there was such you know, community strength, like you just can't underestimate the importance of the community and the impact it has on someone because that literally got nearly everyone through last year yeah. Um, and this year, it's, you know, it's not yeah. over. It's probably one of the biggest things I enjoyed was the community yeah. uh, aspect. It was almost like we'd forgotten what being a community was like Yes, and everyone really rallied around and started talking to people when you walk past them and, yes. you know, neighbours dropping off chocolates at Easter and, yeah, it was really nice. Yeah, I've, we definitely um, felt that as well. We started, you know, the WhatsApp group that I mentioned and even Anzac Day, normally I'd be marching in the city with my dad with part of the Catalina Club, but, you know, we couldn't do that and a lot of other people in the street um, were really missing that. So we've, if we did it the second year in a row this yeah. year, we actually have a fire and, um, you know, do a, the ceremony in the street now. Yeah. So, you know, just those things, we would never have had that yeah. had, had we not had this experience. So I absolutely agree that, you know, the community plays such an important part and people's actions play yes. a really important part. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me also what um, 
was reminded was that the sports clubs and the, and other groups, you know, like getting together yes. with your neighbourhood things, but they are so important in people's lives. Absolutely. To be connected, to yeah. be a part of something. Yeah, and I think, you know, very often it's really easy to um, just think, oh, I'm just going to have, you know, some time time off. Well, if you have too much time away, then suddenly you're disconnected. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, in this lockdown, number four, people have found it so much harder because we haven't gone through those early stages because we, you know, there's no disbelief because we know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's, you know, the frustration, well, we know what's what's happening. So, yeah. you know, you don't go through those early stages, so you're dipping straight into that depression stage. Yeah. And anger. And anger, yeah, yeah absolutely. We've seen that. Yeah, so yeah. I think, you know, um, it has been harder because we're aware of of what it is and where we know what we need to do to get out of it. So I think, you know, the important thing that I um, put in place at home was to recognise those early signs and trying to, you know, as painful yeah. <laughs> as it was to try and, you know, motivate the kids at times, yeah. like really sticking to it and trying to get them to get outside and, you know, just those little basics of, um, you know, playing playing a game of netball outside yeah. if you can or going for a ride with the neighbours' um, kids, you know, it's it's really important. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right with how much harder it was this time because some of the businesses that stayed open or tried to do not open, but the takeaway dinners and things just haven't done them this time. Yeah, it's like they're exhausted. Yes. you know, here we go again. Yeah, absolute working their backsides off to survive. Yeah, and they just want to be back open Absolutely. so that they can do it. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So what are you hoping the book will? Do for people. You know, I've read a couple of the stories and I yes. can't wait to dive into a few more, but having having read one of the stories of Joe, the Pilates instructor, yes. um, you know, seeing it and, and reading it myself on paper, I knew what she was going through. I knew that she had people, extra people at home to feed and uh, what had happened with work and how she was having to operate, but to read it on paper just was so much um, deeper. Yes. So what are you hoping that the book will do. I think exactly that. You know, I think there's there's power in storytelling. There's, you know, we've always done it. Um, if we look at our First Nations people, you know, that's what we've always done. Um, and I think there's so much power in a story. So it's really to try and get people to connect with a story and to remind them of something that either they had forgotten or something that they can resonate with to make them feel like how they're feeling is okay. So um, I was talking to my friend this morning and she'd just finished the story of my my dad um, who's quite opinionated and (laughs) (laughs) um, so anyway she said to me oh my gosh your dad's exactly like my dad. So you know it's I guess it's trying to get people to to feel okay about how they feel yeah. and know that they're, they're not alone. Um, you know, it's been really, for me, a really fulfilling thing to do, um, to hear, you know, Joe's story. I think it's remarkable what 
you know, what she went through. I'm, you know, she's my Pilates teacher. Yeah. <laughs> um, I see her every Tuesday unless we're in lockdown. Um, but for me to understand and just, you know, un- uncover a little bit more around what she was going through was uh, quite extraordinary what, what she did. Yeah. And because and they could have just said, no, we're not running classes online. That's right. We haven't yeah. got the energy. We haven't got the effort. Yeah. Tell us when lockdown's over and we'll come back into the studio. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, she had to adapt to new ways. She had to adapt to having her family there Um, it was really interesting with her story I think the sense of space really came through and it came through in a couple people's story that they they wanted to cleanse yeah they sort of came out (laughs) of it and they're wanting to like clear the the clutter you know in their lives so um her story really you know spoke to that it's um, a good way of getting rid of 2020. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, clear the cotter. And I think, yeah, I mean, there's other other stories that where they're just having to, you know, to try and um, to try and come up with something totally different than what they're used to. Like mm. the hairdresser, that's you know that that's her life. That's yes. what she knows is working with people every day. Suddenly she was surrounded by just herself. Yeah. <laughs> so and that, those yeah. industries very isolating. Really yeah. isolating. And, you know, um, she talks about in her story that it actually is the first time ever that she's had to get used to her own company. Mm. So, you know, it was really interesting to hear um, how people coped um, and and what they what they took away, what they learnt. You yeah. know, we all we all learnt lessons through 2020, whether it's, you know, lessons around what we um, we we don't want to tolerate anymore or lessons around um, the the value of things that we hadn't placed um, you know like like connections beforehand um, and that it's okay to not feel like you have to do everything yeah. you know I think say that, no a few times <laughs> exactly I think that was a big thing that came through you know and definitely for ourselves as well um, you know you don't need to do the 20 sports and piano lessons and it's okay to <laughs> it's okay to you know minimize that that amount of running around that we we do yeah i think when things open back up every time though we try and go quick let's book in for dinner with these people yes. let's go here and catch up with these people because you <laughs> haven't been able to see anyone so yeah. you go from this lull of okay it's quite nice quiet weekend to yes. bang yeah i know <laughs> just got to find that balance yeah, find the balance absolutely yeah oh fantastic well, we know that um, your book's available to purchase at www.20voices.com.au, but you've also got an Insta story uh, or Insta page, Insta 20, or in, sorry, 20, the number, underscore voices, um, where you'd love people to share their story on there. Yes. Um, so I suppose what you've just talked about, you know, l- what lessons did they learn and what are their three words from That's 2020? Right. Yeah. So I look forward to sort of following that and watching uh, what people do and jump on and say, but your book, absolutely inspiring. And um, yeah, 2020 was certainly a challenging year. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think it's nice, you know, to have a little time capsule. So there's photographs um, in the book of the Frankston area of, you know, Mount Eliza and um, people in the book have all submitted photographs as well. So Yeah, I love know, the Spoonville photos. The Spoonville, when they disappeared, yes. it was like, oh, <laughs> you sort of go on your on your daily walk and look for new things. Exactly. Like yeah. a bit of a treasure hunt. I know. Yeah. So there's, you know, I think that's that's a nice thing as well, just to have that visual reminder of, of this time. So, you know, my hope is that it's something that will um, pass down generations to come and, you know, that people, there's room for people 
people to write their story in the book as well so that people can write their their story down so that it's not forgotten. Fantastic. And what's uh, what's the future hold for you? Oh, I have been asked if it's going to be a 21 <laughs> Voices or 20 or 21. Um, I think for now, um, you know, I'm just going to focus on on slowing down a little yep. bit. <laughs> I'm still, still working, so which is great. Um, but I have actually thought that I might do a little sequel, but maybe just for our family, yeah. Well, that's how this one started. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see, I know. So we'll see how we go. <laughs> and you'll probably never go back to full-time in the city. Have I, you worked out that? Well, yeah, that's really interesting. So um, I certainly don't want to. Yeah. Obviously living, you know, close to the peninsula, I it's a fair travel. Um, so, yeah, I've, I don't mind going in one or two days a week, but um, any any more than that, I find that the balance is, is not quite right. Yeah. Um, but there's a big push to get everyone back in into the city and, um, yeah, I'm just not sure that, you know, that you need to, yeah. to be honest, you know. I think once a, once a week you get that connection and you can connect in different ways. Um, I think 2020 has certainly taught us that, you know, it's okay to, to ask for things yep. um, to suit your lifestyle, you know, if you, if you have – a need to have a, a work-life balance and it can be accommodated, I think it should be encouraged. Yeah, yeah if it works for the workplaces and it works for you, I think that's it's it. more productive for yeah. everyone and, you know, that mental health is so important and if that's how you can balance both. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And look, I feel for Melbourne, that you know, that's an empty city at the moment, yeah. isn't it? So that's some of the pushes about actually reinvigorating our beautiful that's Melbourne right. City. Yeah. I mean, the nice thing is, you know, supporting local. Yes. Um, you know, I think that's that's been a, a huge positive yeah. out of this. Um, you know, I'd much rather, you know, support local businesses and trying to keep keep the, um, keep the focus on local. Yeah, yeah, we've been doing a lot more of that, yeah. especially last year. We, you know, ate out a couple – well, not ate out, but had takeaway from different places to try and support them and keep them going and yes. even gifts of – birthday presents and things we did locally and it was really nice yeah really nice again yeah. that community feel of engaging. exactly yeah, yeah exactly well thank you so much joe for coming today um thanks we look for forward me. to seeing where you go from here <laughs> thanks so much Pippa. i appreciate your time if you have a topic you would like covered get in touch via our socials the contact details can be found in the episode notes if you have loved listening today and are looking forward to future episodes please subscribe rate our show share our podcast with your friends work colleagues and families So for now, goodbye. Thank you for tuning in today and see you next week.